We are starting a new sermon series. Here's my question for you as we do that. Um, If you could ask Jesus to teach you one thing, what would it be? You just like pick it up. You're like, Lord, well, there's walking on water. And that sounds kind of cool, right? Any takers out there? All right, y'all, y'all a little tired today? Y'all awake? No one? No one learn anything from Jesus? Right of prayer life, okay, okay. Now hold on, you're giving it away, but that's good. <laughs> 70. Discipline, amen. We'll take that. Listening skills, that's good. Listening skills. Interruptibility. There you go. Humility. Humility. There you go. It's my dad, by the way. Thanks for helping me out. You're awesome. <laughs> In from out of town. Amen. There's so many things. Like, Lord, I, I would love to learn, you know, God help me to navigate the stresses of life. Just, just slide on through, and I'll walk on water while I do that. That would be great. You know, maybe just we could do that along the way, right? Or, or raising the dead. That sounds kind of cool, you know, just if you're going along and someone's dead, or just walk in a hospital, or just start raising them up, Lord, you know. I mean, there's a whole lot, a whole lot we could ask Jesus to teach us. And yet there's one recorded thing that we see the disciples ask Jesus to teach them. Well, we're going to look in Luke chapter 11, verses 1 through 4, as we begin to kind of grasp This, and we're going to see what they ask. Luke chapter 11, verse 1 through 4. Now Jesus was praying in a certain place. And when he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray. There you go. There you go. Cat, you gave it away. It was good. Uh, Lord, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples. And he said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, give us each day our daily bread, and forgive us our sins, and we, for we ourselves forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and lead us not into temptation. So we're going to be camping out, looking at um, uh, the Lord's prayers. We learn to pray. Uh, we'll probably spend most of it in, in the Matthew version of the Lord's Prayer, but we're sitting in Luke today. And so the disciples ask We'd love to learn to pray. Now, if I'm honest, just kind of seemed like, you know, when I first read this years ago, it kind of seemed like a low bar ask. You know, I'm like, you could have asked for like some really crazy stuff, you know, because I think oftentimes when we think about prayer, we kind of just think, oh, that's that obligatory slowdown to my day that I need to do so I don't feel as bad, Right? Or it's, it's, it's the distraction from the stuff that has to get done in my life. Surely God knows how much I have to get done. Why would he make me to pray on top of that, right? It's, or maybe it's the warm-up to the sermon on Sundays. You know, we got to get through this, and I'm going to just kind of slide on in so I can catch the sermon and maybe get a little warm-up so our hearts are ready for the sermon, right? Or, or prayer is the thing that we feel guilty about every time it's brought up, right? Uh, or it's that, that thing in our walk with God that we just can't figure out. So maybe we quit a while ago trying to figure out and we just feel stuck or plateaued in. Or maybe prayer is that thing that's just stinking boring, right? And 
yet they ask for prayer. <clears throat> I think maybe why they asked for prayer is they saw that long list of things that they could have been uh, asking, whether it's, man, teaching how to heal the sick, teach me how to walk in the power of God, teach me how to forgive my enemies, teach me how to be patient with people that don't just feel like they don't deserve my patience, teach me to be unconditionally loving, teach me to know scripture, teach me, uh, you know, how to walk on water, teach me, uh, uh, teach me to do miracles like you do, Jesus. I think what the disciples realized in watching Jesus' life, that everything that Jesus did that they could have asked to be taught went back to Jesus' prayer life. And I think they made the correlation or like, just ask him, ask him to, ask him to teach us to pray. Let's go, go for it. They made that correlation. They said, hey, one thing if you could do, teach us to pray because we believe everything else in the Christian journey and the fruit of the Spirit and the love of God and the power of the Spirit will flow from learning to be people of prayer. Prayer, what is it? It's simply communing with God, in a simple definition, or, or maybe to even use a less churchy term, being with and talking with God. It's as simple as that. There's a lot of ways to do it, but, but what were they watching Jesus do? <clears throat> well, in Mark 1, they saw Jesus doing all kinds of miracles, but then he went off early in the morning while it was still dark, and he went to a desolate place, and he prayed. And they came looking for him. They're like, Jesus, where are you? There's all these needs. What are you doing? You're praying. You got a lot of ministry. You know, and Jesus knew exactly what he was doing. He was getting powered up and fueled up and connecting with the Father. Matthew 14, after Jesus' cousin John the Baptist died, what did he go to do? He went to pray. He went to be by himself so he could process his emotions. He could process the, the, the pain of that. <clears throat> Let's just look, for example, between Luke 5 and 11. Just what we see. Luke 5, 15 to 16. Everybody's hearing and coming for miracles. What did it say, though, in the middle of that? He would withdraw to desolate places and play. And play. play in prayer. Uh, uh, Luke 6, he went out to a mountain to pray. All night he continued in prayer. Luke 9, he was praying all alone. Luke 9, verse 28 to 36, he took Peter and John and James up the mountain with them to what? To pray. And then, of course, in Luke 11, the disciples finally are sold. And they're like, okay, all right, we realize prayer is what we really need to learn. Throughout church history, it wasn't, this wasn't just ended when Jesus, you know, uh, went to the cross. Throughout church history, what did Jesus leave behind? Was a praying church in Acts 1. Jesus said, before you go and start doing ministry, stay in the upper room and pray until the Holy Spirit shows up. So prayer was the foundation. And we see again and again in Acts chapter 4, what did they do? They got together and prayed again and again. When they're in prison, what did they do? They prayed. They worshiped. Prayer is at the center point of everything that's happening in the book of Acts. Whenever you see a powerful story in the book of Acts, it's often because they were going to pray. Acts 3, the first big healing we see, they were going on the way to the hour of prayer. And along the way, Boom, God shows up and brings healing and brings a kingdom and they preach. 
What are we talking about? The hour of prayer. It was common. Uh, they continued the Old Testament tradition, oftentimes in the early church, of praying three times a day. We see that. We see that with Daniel. Uh, he prayed three times a day. He took the, the patterns of his home country into his exile and prayed in that pattern, refused to bow his knee to, um, to that uh, place of exile. We see it in Psalm 55, evening and morning and noon, I cry out to you. That is a pattern of three times a day, and the early church continued that. Now, that's not the law in the sense of you're not praying unless you do it three times a day, but what I'm getting at is it was a value that they carried and a tradition that they carried in prayer was at the center. And you look back throughout more recent church history, and wherever you see a powerful move of God, you can look back to a group of intercessors. Like almost every single time before there was an out, uh, really every single time before there was a powerful outpouring of the Holy Spirit, there was a group of people praying. And there was a group of people that the Holy Spirit was burdening to pray. Wherever God is moving, there are intercessors and there are praying people behind the scenes bringing in the kingdom that is seen when it comes to earth. And so throughout Jesus' life and early church history and throughout all of church history, prayer was not some back room thing that was an add-on or a tack-on because we feel guilty if we don't. But the, the people of God, when they're moving in power and lives are being saved and people are being transformed, prayer was always front and center with the people of God. In fact, I don't know anyone who's had a significant spiritual impact and had no prayer life. And if they did, they were riding on other people's prayers. And I think we in America, as powerful world mandate, hearing from people from different nations who basically lovingly rebuked us in the American church and said, man, you guys have every resource at your disposal, and you have money, you have Bibles, but you think because you have outward strength that so often you lack prayer because you've gotten so busy with the work. And when I took that as a word of the Lord, so, man, prayer is where mortal people commune with an immortal God. It is where we process and deepen our emotional roots. It is where we unload our burdens. It's where we win battles and change lives. It's where ordinary, weak people grow strong and become transformed. And so learning how to pray consistently may be very challenging, but it, I believe, is the most important undertaking of our lives. It is challenging, and I say that firsthand as someone that is like within the last two weeks feeling like, God, what am I doing, you know? <laughs> like, this is hard, again, why is this hard? I thought I'd figured this out before, you know? It is challenging, but I believe it may be the most important undertaking of our lives. And the fact that the disciples saw the importance of it, and the fact that they asked, how in the world do I do this, underscores the most challenging thing important thing in many ways, and often sometimes the most challenging thing. And so here's what I want to invite us as a church into throughout this series on prayer, is a 30-day prayer challenge. All right, 30-day prayer challenge. I was encouraged this morning, I follow a crew of people uh, called 24-7 Prayer, uh, and so I got an email in my inbox from their distribution list this morning, 
And guess what they're doing? They're doing a 30-day prayer challenge. And I thought, hey, we're right in the middle of what God is doing, right? So uh, that's good news to, to us. We are, it's not just an Antioch Fuller thing, but I think God coming out of COVID is stirring the church to pray. You know, everyone coming to church and into COVID, we're like, oh, we could never be the same, and we don't want to go back to what was. And I think one of the things that God is hitting on so we don't go back to what was is don't go in your own strength anymore. Go in the power of God. Go in connection with God. And don't rely on your own strength and your ability to put on a show or whatever. And so our 30-day prayer challenge is simply this. Find a daily, meaningful rhythm of prayer and time with God on a personal level. Finding a daily, meaningful rhythm of prayer and time with God. Now that word challenge is intentional, both because I'm inviting you into a challenge, I'm, I'm lovingly challenging all of us to do this together, and it will be challenging. And I want to say that ahead of time, just to set you free, because when you're in day four, and you're like, I stink as a human being, surely everyone else in the church right now is just crying, and they have their worship music on, and they're just singing to Jesus, and they're just praying for me right now, you know, and I just can't seem to get it together. No, no, everyone else is probably frustrated at the same time as you while they're learning how to pray. And so I just want to set you free. If you feel like this is a challenge, then welcome to the club, right? We're all going to be learning to pray uh, together. And for some of you, this is old hat, but it's a brush up. Some of you, you're like, man, I've never had a consistent time to pray and we say, wherever you're at, it's okay. We're going to take a step forward, right? Now listen, are we doing this to get God to love us more? No. He loves you if you never pray another lick in your life. He loves you. Is he going to leave you if you don't pray? No, he's with you no matter what. It's not like you blew your day if you didn't pray sometime today. He's with you no matter what. But this is an invitation to go deeper into him. This is an invitation to experience what you already have in Christ. This is an, an invitation to know him more. And so... Um, <clears throat> Uh, I, I'm amazed, right, at our ability as human beings to be trained to go further. So you might be like, man, I, this is brand new. I don't know how people pray for more than five minutes. You know, I've had days where I'm like, I don't, can't pray for more than five minutes. <clears throat> Years ago, I ran a marathon. And if you've ever run a race, any of you guys, a longer race, on those first days, you're like, what in the heck am I doing? You know, I'm like three miles in, I'm tired, I'm frustrated. And then, man, on race day, if you've trained, you're like mile 17. Like, how in the world is my body going at mile 17? It could not have done that before, right? So here's what I want to invite you to see this as. This isn't striving, this is training, yeah. right? And so start where you are and take success forward. It's training to build up our spiritual muscles. Don't compare. Don't compete. Don't beat yourself up if you're not the person next to you. Run in your lane and be free. All right, can we do that, church? So um, some of y'all are going to be gliding along at 17 miles, just gazelle, you know, and some of you guys are going to be sucking wind at a half mile. 
No, we're not going to beat each other up, okay? So we've got a whole lot of resources to eat for you. First of all, we got this one pager right here, Time with Jesus, some really simple practicals on how to start Time with Jesus. We have this Lord's Prayer bookmark. It goes through the Lord's Prayer. I've been praying through the Lord's Prayer in my time with God's. It's been rich and deep, and we'll get into that in a second. We also, if you want the more extensive version, have some of these back there from our friends at Antioch and Waco. Put this together. It is a more extensive time with God packet, more of kind of a resource for you if you want to grow in different ways in your time with God. Uh, So feel free to pick these up at the back if you put it to use. Um, So what was Jesus' response then to teach us to pray? He goes in and he says, well, Pray like this. And he goes in to what we call the Lord's Prayer, or some denominations are called the, the Our Father. He goes into the, the Lord's Prayer. And so I want to pause here and just kind of give some background. The Lord's Prayer has been prayed throughout all of church history. Uh, the, the Didache, which is some of the earliest do- non biblical documents on the church. Um, they, they instruct the church to be praying the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And we can see, it's been recorded, that the early church prayed oftentimes the Lord's Prayer three times a day. And so, as a church, we want to learn to pray out of the text that Jesus taught us to pray in, right? And so that's where we're going to go. We're going to go in this sermon series into the Lord's Prayer. We're giving you a bookmark on how to really go into the Lord's Prayer more meaningfully and uh, so, so where we're going is not just uh, some, some idea from some pastor in skinny jeans telling you, I got a new prayer model and it's really cool. No, no, this is like, this is Jesus' prayer model, okay? And so, uh, so that's what we're going to do. And, and the Lord's Prayer is incredible as I've studied it. First of all, it's, it's extremely uncomfortably simple. In the Aramaic, which is what Jesus originally, the language that Jesus originally taught in, was 31 words. The disciples are probably expecting a thesis, like a thesis paper. Teach us to pray. Jesus gives them 31 words. They're like, man, I got shortchanged. No, no, teach me to pray, Jesus, really. No, he's like, yeah, yeah, I gave you 31 words. 66 words in English. <clears throat> Not only that, in Aramaic, it rhymes. So Jesus, give us your big thesis paper on prayer. It gave like a rhyming poem. <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah, that's right. They call that a rap. Let's go. <clears throat> it gave him a rap. If I spoke Aramaic, I might try that out and make it rhyme. <laughs> but I don't, so <clears throat> I won't. Um, <clears throat> And so, man, I can imagine they felt shortchanged, but what Jesus is doing is genius. Billions, I would bet billions of people have memorized, for sure, like hundreds of millions of people have memorized the Lord's Prayer around the world throughout history. People pray it daily. It is extremely memorable and simple, and yet it's extremely robust in theology and it's robust in where it can take us on a heart level and in practice. 
Justin Welby, the Archbishop of Canterbury, said this about the Lord's Prayer. The Lord's Prayer is simple enough to be memorized by small children, yet profound enough to sustain a whole lifetime of exploration in prayer. In the Lord's Prayer, we can be, if we're praying it daily, we can be daily reminded and explore our adoption as sons and daughters of the living God. In the Lord's Prayer, we can dive deeper into the character and the name of God and learn to exalt his name and his person over our lives and have our heart ignited in worship again and sing into his name and lift up his name. We can go deeper in knowing him by exploring the names of God. In the Lord's Prayer, we can learn to worship. In the Lord's Prayer, we learn to surrender our will and take up his will. In the Lord's Prayer, we learn to intercede for the kingdom that is unseen to invade the brokenness in the world that is seen. In the Lord's Prayer, we learn to trust God for our daily provision and lean into him in our anxieties. In the Lord's Prayer, we make right in our heart our relational brokenness in the world, and that invites us to daily be making right our relationships, to daily be asking for forgiveness from your spouse, for daily to be uh, going right and keeping our heart relationally pure. In the Lord's Prayer, we learn to do spiritual warfare and step into freedom in the midst of our temptations and demonic attacks. It is like a great buffet. And don't think the, the uh, golden corral, because that's dirty. Think a heavenly buffet, right? I like a good buffet. Now, I just want to acknowledge prayer is hard. Prayer is hard. Why, why, why is prayer hard? Any takers? Distractions, absolutely. We're going to get there in a second. Distractions. Anyone else? Consistency, yeah. Just left to myself, I'm not a disciplined person. I like to do whatever makes sense. It feels comfortable, right? So, yeah, silence. That's, silence is really uncomfortable, right? Silence is tough. So let's, let's just start with the fact that you can't see God. And you're talking to him. <laughs> That's hard. Right, like that's that's not easy, and so uh, so that if you're if you're sitting there for 20 minutes talking to God, you can't see that can take a toll on you on your faith. You know, you got friends that probably think you're crazy if they don't know God, and you know, we talk to a God we can't see, and it's amazing, but that's hard sometimes. Okay, how about how about margin? <clears throat> we lack margin so often in our worlds. Anyone notice that the world is not decelerating; it's accelerating. Right, a couple of years ago, we had uh, our oldest Bella in softball, and she was seven at the time. They just started kids pitch. Every uh, every kids pitcher had a personal coach. Like like what in the world? They're seven years old. They all had personal. They're paying for personal coaches because we got to get a college scholarship for our kid. They're going to be professional, right? And, I mean, it's just every generation accelerates educationally, academically, you know, uh, sports wise. Uh, we have access to so much information, right? So we often lack margin. We often look like 30-day challenge, that's great, don't got time, you know, because we're like, we don't have margin in our schedules. How about distraction? Absolutely, Grace, distraction. Now, we used to, like 30 years ago, before technology, we used to have this thing called downtime, (laughs) Right? You were limited to a radio in your car, which may or not have worked. And if you didn't like it, you'd just turn it off and it'd be silent, right? 
if you were standing in line somewhere, you either had to talk to the person next to you or stare at the floor, right? Or if you were flying in a plane over Nebraska and there wasn't much to look at, you're like, I'm in a plane over Nebraska. I don't have much to think about. I don't have much to do, right? There's no screen in front of me where I can choose 25 movies or whatever, you know, all the different games, right? So, so now we have smartphones. And, and man, I can access, I got games on here. I've got, you know, uh, social media on here. I've got contacts on here. I got pictures on here. Like, like think about 30 years ago, if you're like, okay, I'm leaving the house and okay, I'm, leaving. I'm, gonna be, I'm gonna have five minutes of downtime in line. Okay, I'm gonna get all my pictures from the last 10 years. I'm gonna get all my pictures, I'm gonna pack those up. Oh, and maps, I, I'm gonna get maps of every country. I'm gonna pack those and bring those and I need some games because I might get bored for a minute. Let's bring three games along the way, right? And, and okay, oh, I gotta get contacts. I'm gonna get hundreds of contacts and bring them and oh, I might be curious about what someone's eating for breakfast right now. So I need an ability somehow to see what everyone in my life, people I haven't talked to since middle school are doing right now and I really need to figure out their political opinion right now because that's really gonna help me in my line, right? I need to figure that out, right? And I, I need updates, I need updates from them right now. What are they doing with their life? I can't remember their name, but what are they doing with their life, right? Um, so, right, like, like what if we brought that all everywhere we went and showed up at the DMV, someone would probably cuss you out. They'd be like, what are you doing, you know? <clears throat> And that's how we live life often with this. Now, it looks nice. It looks pretty. They do that at Apple. You think you feel good? It's light, you know? But that's what we got. We got all our contacts. We got access to all the information we'd ever need. And it's always like, you know, they make it addicting, right? So we get distracted. You get my point, right? And then I'm a chief that's a sinner at times. I like spending time with Jesus. And all of a sudden, like, I'm like, what am I looking at this random news article, right? How did I end up here? I was praying, right? So we get distracted. Or how about just old-fashioned boredom? I think boredom in many ways is the greatest threat to prayer. Neil talked about silence just now. We're not used to silence anymore. We don't stand in line and look at the ground anymore. We don't drive in our car without music. We don't sit in silence. And so our tolerance of being still has gone to nothing. I think our attention span is human. I think I said a study it went from 10 to 7 seconds in the last uh, generation. So I think we're lower than a goldfish now. So, so we struggle with boredom. <clears throat> so as we look to end today, and we're going to start diving into the Lord's Prayer more thoroughly next week, just a few practicals as we go on this prayer journey that are just themes we can take away from <clears throat> the Lord's prayer. Number one, the foundation to prayer is relationship with God. <clears throat> it's relationship. How does the prayer start? Father or our Father. It starts by addressing a person. Now, prayer could be a lot of things. Prayer could be what you do when you're anxious. Prayer could be uh, asking for your needs. Prayer can be a lot of things, but he starts with the foundation of relationship with the person. And so if prayer for us ever becomes primarily something other than a relationship, it gets kind of weird. 
We get focused on our emotions. We get focused on all kinds of stuff. We get focused on, you know, all the different things. And we get focused on the routines of prayer, you know, like, like Father God, Father God. You know, God, we just repeat it. We're just saying words. And they're like, oh, just, you're just talking to a person. I don't walk up, you know, to Jacob and say, Jacob, 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 you know. <laughs> Let me tell you, tell you something, you know. I was just talking to a person, just, you know, relax a little bit, you know. Uh, so prayer is a relationship with God. And the object of our relationship is the person of God. And that's why I think the Lord's Prayer starts with who God is and lifting up the name of God. Because when we focus on the character of God before we focus on our problems and our needs... It helps us feel his love, and it helps us walk in courage. Secondly, I want to invite us to embrace discipline as the container for that relationship. Disciplined prayer as the container for that relationship. This prayer is actually very structured. It's actually very robust. It's structured and robust. Jesus is very intentionally taking us through different aspects and ways of praying. On top of that, as I said, throughout Scripture, both Old Testament and New Testament, the people of God uh, prayed in a rhythm. There was a structure, a discipline to it. And I think we often think that prayer, we have this idea that prayer is this kind of emotional, spontaneous, like spirit-inspired moment when it's like, oh, I just like... You know, and, and that any type of structure is religious bondage and obligation. I think we think that, especially if we're coming out of maybe traditions that were church traditions that were boring, and we're like, man, I want the Holy Spirit. We tend to think structure is bad, and responsibility and rhythm is bad. And man, Scripture and all of church history does not agree with that. Actually, God moves in structure. Prayer is not built just on good feelings and spontaneous moments. It needs a container. And throughout history, there's been a rhythm of prayer that holds God's people together. And so is the goal discipline? No. The goal is a loving relationship. But that discipline is a container. For example, in my marriage, I don't have to go on dates with my wife. I get to go on dates with my wife because I love her. We have rhythms in our marriage of dates and conversations and spending quality time together. Why? Because that's some of the container for our love. We don't just have shoulder-to-shoulder communication only. We have times we sit down and talk face-to-face, and we schedule it. We in love and writing. Those of you guys who are single, that sounds very unromantic. I know you think you'll just be emotionally in love and writing love letters spontaneously to each other all the time. No, no. Most of marriage is a structured and disciplined way of pursuing one another, right? Same with following God. And so... Um, why do we spend time with God? Because we love him and want to know him. Why do we come to church? Not because the pastor's messages have been good recently. Hopefully, I don't know, but we come to church because we love him first. You know, and, and, and I come, whether it's perfect or not, because I, it's my corporate way of loving God and expressing my fidelity to him. We need structure. Eugene Peterson said it this way, worship and prayer is the time and place in which we interrupt our preoccupation with ourselves and attend to the presence of God. 
Worship is a time and place that we assign for deliberate attentiveness to God, not because he's confined to time and place, but because our self-importance is too insidiously relentless that if we don't deliberately interrupt ourselves regularly, I think I put a typo, two typos in that quote, deliberately interrupt ourselves regularly, we have no chance of attending to him at all in other times and places. My schedule and lack of margin needs a wrench thrown in it of disciplined prayer to take my eyes off myself, my own flesh and self-centeredness and thoughts that don't line up with Scripture need a wrench thrown in them of intentional, disciplined prayer. <clears throat> Last two things, super quick. Prayer is both personal and corporate. What you see here, it doesn't say, my father, give me my bread, forgive my sins. It says us. Throughout Almost all of church history until the last two, three hundred years, <clears throat> relationship with God was seen as a very corporate thing. Now, there's a good, you know, more emphasis on a personal relationship with God in the last few hundred years, but we have taken this to an extreme in America <clears throat> where we say, man, I don't need to go to church because I have a personal relationship with God. Scripture would actually disagree. I'm not guilty of anyone to church. What I'm just saying is, our worship with God is not just individual. For the body of Christ, then, then we need one another and we can't experience all of God without one another. And we actually need one another to help encourage and build one another up. <clears throat> Again, that's not a guilt trip. Be free. There's no obligation with God. You're loved no matter what. And I love you no matter what. But there's an invitation. We see this as both personal and corporate. So our relationship with God needs to be both personal and corporate. So there's value in praying by ourselves with God, and there's value in praying together with others. So we're going to invite you in our life groups. Talk about how it's going. You might even in your life group say, hey, what are the things or who are the people we're praying for together as a life group? And man, Write the prayer list on one side. When they start to get answered, move it to the other side and celebrate. That's a fun life group right there, right? Or we're doing something called Seek Week. Anyone ever heard of Seek Week? It's an Orange County-wide uh, prayer, uh, three days of prayer. <clears throat> um, I'm helping collaborate things on the North Orange County side of things. We're going to gather together with, I believe, over 100 other churches across Orange County for three days of praying for a move of God in Orange County and a move of God in our own hearts. And so practically, uh, you know, we've been doing this monthly encounter night. For this month, our encounter night is going to be joining Seek Week. And so that'll be Monday, November 7th from 7 to 9 at Southlands Church. We'll be hosting it up in Brea. And we're going to be gathering together with churches from across Orange County to pray and believe God for a move of God. You can RSVP just for seating, things like that, and to get prayer updates at seekweek.org. So that's what we're going to be doing together for our encounter night this month because we believe not just me and Jesus will bring revival, but when the church is unified together, praying for a move of God, that also they're learning to pray with. And lastly, just one about us to be people that are learning to pray with faith. It takes faith to pray for a kingdom we cannot see to invade the brokenness of our world and for miracles. And this, it takes faith to believe for daily bread at times. It takes faith to forgive people that hurt us. It takes faith uh, to, to be praying to not be led in temptation. It takes faith to forgive people in a time where it is 
uh, not the cool thing to forgive people. <laughs> so uh, it takes faith. And this is going to challenge us in our faith. But I want to invite you, when you start to learn to pray beyond your feelings and into faith, when you start to pray looking in faith into the realm you cannot see, as, as Paul prayed, God, enlighten the eyes of the heart. When you start to learn to pray in faith, prayer gets exciting. And so I want to encourage you not just to be driven by your feelings, because the Bible says, Paul said, we walk by faith, not by sight. And so what we're going to do is be building our faith muscles, and we're going to be learning to, to pray and look by faith uh, when we pray. And Jesus said, I don't believe this is the only way, you know, that we see miracles, but it's a big thing. Jesus often said, it'll be done to you according to your faith. And so God wants to build us up. Now, you don't believe that prayers aren't answered just because we didn't believe, you know, but I do believe it's a component and God wants to build our faith. All right. Here's what I want to do as we end. I know for many of us, uh, we, um, this is a new thing. And so I want to say, even if you don't know Jesus today, you can come to him and be forgiven of no matter anything you've done and start a new day of knowing God in prayer by calling on the name of Jesus. And maybe some of you need to do that today. You need to begin a relationship with God today because he loves you and forgives you and wants to know you. And the rest of us, if we're honest, many of us, we've got cobwebs in our prayer life. I've had to dust off a few cobwebs in my prayer life. <clears throat> um, it was happening, you know, but I was like, oh, Lord, come on, fresh fire here. Come on, Lord, fresh, fresh, uh, fresh um, man in, in, in the oven here. Let's go, fresh fire in my prayer life. And so I believe God wants to give us some fresh fire in our prayer lives. And so what I want about us to simply do is come to Jesus, to come to Jesus today and to take an honest kind of, hey, here's where I'm at. I'm not motivated. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm, I want to. But just bring yourself to Jesus. Bring this stuff to Jesus. And, and Paul said this in Romans 8, we know not what to pray, but the Holy Spirit helps us in our weakness. There is power bigger than yourselves that is gonna help fuel you and it's the Holy Spirit. So I wanna invite you to do this. Come to Jesus and bring it to him today and let the fire of the Holy Spirit ignite something in your heart to pray. So if you need to kind of come get up front and we'd love to just pray over you for a fresh filling of the spirit and just come to Jesus at the altar, you can do that. You can do that at your seat. If you need prayer, we're gonna have some of our leaders available. But let's just come to Jesus and ask him to ignite prayer in our personal lives and ignite us to be a praying church. Amen? Amen. Amen. I believe, let's stand I believe God is raising up a praying church in Antioch Fullerton to do all that he's called us to do. Let's respond.